Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, it doesn't take much thought to come to the conclusion that we are all presently living in an evil world, just as stated in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4. It's the same world that the Apostle Paul, who wrote Galatians, lived in, and yes, it's still evil. And it's not going to change. God has given man the capacity to love and the ability to exercise free will. This is all part and parcel of being created in the image of God. But man has chosen to use his free will for himself, placing himself on the throne and disregarding his creator. And because of this, we have been going down one dead end road after another, seeking for something to satisfy without having God, looking for a life that's worth living without including God in it. Well, it just won't be found, my friend. You will come up empty every time. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Gaius Goff brings to light the heart of God in loving you personally and having great purposes for your life. He wants to give you a life worth living. And all of this starts with having your sins forgiven and getting right with God. Only then will you have the correct perspective to view life from God's angle and to desire what He desires, the blessing of man through His marvelous grace. I'm going to just read you a verse in two or three different places. Notice in chapter 1 of Galatians, he's talking about grace and peace. In verse 4, he tells us about Jesus, who gave himself, himself, for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father. So I'm not going to talk to you so much about the future tonight as about the present. You think this world is going to get better? This is a present evil world. Just turn over to chapter 2 and verse 20. I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in my flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, or faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is a present evil world, there's no question about that, but... What about the life that I'm now living? My life presently. Well, let's just turn over to chapter 5. I want to read to you verse 22 and 3. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance against such there is no law. Now, that's where life starts coming good. But i got to read in chapter 6 at verse seven because here it gives you the other side of the story be not deceived god is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth that shall he also reap so we got a couple of choices that we have to make here tonight that's what i want to bring to you here now, this life is the period of our existence that god has given to us not only to come to know him but to learn how to live 
now and have a good life now. I mean, I'm having, I don't know whether you can use the word a blast when you're a preacher, but I'm having a good time living. I wouldn't trade it for anybody. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying my life to the full. It's great. And the queen is here too. She's right here. And, and we share together. My wife, sorry. That's kind of a man thing, you know. But, but you know something? This life is something that we can share together. And it has a real meaning to the both of us. We're happily married for 47 years. You know, we never bought new cars. We always got used ones. We'd go down to the car lot and pick out a pretty good used vehicle and try and use it. But this is when we got out here. We were thinking about maybe getting a new one. So you know what happened? We got up one morning for breakfast, and an amazing thing, coming right up out of the ground in our backyard, there came a big strip of gold-covered plastic. And then behind it, you know what was coming up? Before long, there was an emblem, coming something like this, right up out of the ground. And there it said, Toyota. And by and by, it came up further, and here's a glass windshield coming out, and wheels And before long, you know, it grew right out of the ground and we had ourselves a Sienna. You say, it didn't work that way. That's right, it didn't. That's why I believe there's a God. I'm not a mistake and neither are you. Things don't just happen. Somebody had some plans and you were involved in it. And that's why you're alive. Somebody had a design for not only the world, but for you and me. We're not accidents in this world. We are people that God has invested himself in. I believe he knows my name. I don't think there's one thing that I can hide from God. I do not believe you get Toyota cars out of the backyard. Any more than I believe that I came from a bit of slime in a pond somewhere that was one time a fish or a crawdad. And then it came out and grew up and down or however people say it. I went through all that stuff back in university and schools like these kids have to go. But, you know, that stretches my imagination way too far to pay any attention to. I believe somebody really, really smart designed everything. And that's my God. And I don't believe he's dead. I believe he's alive and well and he's working a plan out and he intends you and me not only to just be Groping our way through the dark in life. Or somebody in this church on Sunday had a little baby. And you know, in that little baby, five pounds and some ounces, everything is in that child that's going to be there for the rest of her life. The little fingernails will be smaller than an eraser of a pencil. But inside that person is the personality, the color of the eyes, the gene pool is there. And it came from something so small we couldn't see. Because the designer had it in mind that that's where you're going to get your start. And so that's why you're here tonight. Somebody wants you alive. And it is God. And that's what we do here. We try to introduce people to God. Now how do you introduce folks to somebody you can't see? Or reach out and touch? Or you don't hear them cough or sneeze or hiccup or anything like that? How do you introduce Somebody to that. Well, you've got to find some place where we can know about that God. I can go out, and I, I watched the moon the other night. A couple of nights ago, full moon. Was it ever beautiful? I stuck up on the street out there for a while watching it as it came up. And I thought, God, you did a good job when you made this world. 
And you made those trees. And you made that moon. And here we are buzzing through the universe at 66,000 miles an hour and spinning like a top and everything seems cool. Why is that? Because God's in control. And the only problem is, everything else is except people. Cows and horses do what they're supposed to do. Animals do what they're supposed to do. The only thing that's gone wrong is us. Why did he allow that? Because he didn't make you and me like a robot or a wind-up doll. He made you and me with a mind, intelligence, so that we can know him and communicate in a sensible way. He made us with emotions so that we know how to love and we can love him and it not just be a fake so that I can please other people. But he also gave me the ability of making choices. We call it the will. And I can choose to do right or I can choose to do wrong. God left that up to me. So I have a responsibility for my own life. But God didn't just abandon me. We read in the first reading that in this design, chapter 1, verse 4, he gave himself for us, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. So what happened is into this world, God sent Jesus with the express purpose of delivering us from all that's evil in this world. God has a standard established. And it's a written law. I could go out here and say, well, I'm from England. I'm not. But I mean, if you're from England, you go out here and swing onto the left-hand side of the street there. And uh, you wouldn't get very far. And you'll have horns blowing at you and police cars coming. And they're all circling around and say, yeah, I've always driven on the left side of the street. Not here. Because here we got a law that says, hollow off to the right. Well, there's people and they have Bibles and they go to churches and they sing in choirs and they sing Amazing Grace. They might even give God some thanks for the food. But they don't go by what God has to say. So they lie and they commit adultery and they take the name of the Lord their God in vain and they have other things before God and they covet the neighbor's wife and they steal, and they say, well, but everybody does that. So if everybody does it, does that make it right? The law still remains the same. God has a standard. You know, almost always when I speak to people, almost everybody says, basically, I'm a good person. So I said, what would you expect from a good person? What do you base that on? What makes you a good person, basically? Do you lie? Yeah, not all the time, but yeah. Uh, Do you curse? Well, you know, that's a habit. That's just a habit. Or do you uh, commit adultery? Well, not very often, you know, time to time, but not really. So you're a good person. And I said, do you know what you're doing? Every one of those is a denial of God's law. But but they said, I I don't do... But right away, every time somebody says that, they're comparing themselves with other people. So they try and find somebody like Charles Manson or some famous criminal to compare themselves with and say, I'm better than them. But God doesn't do that. The Bible tells us he's no respecter of persons. He looks at these children here the same as he does those of us who are older. And he writes a thing over us all. You've all sinned. And all come short of the glory of God. 
There's none good. No, not one. We've all gone astray. We've turned to our own way. But that's not the end of the story. The Lord laid on Jesus the sins of us all. So He gave Him for everybody that He might deliver us from this present evil world. I talked to some people that live on the street down here today. Or I don't know where they live on the street or under a bridge, but they don't have a home. And I talked to others and I looked around and there's some beautiful homes. So which one of those people, the one who owns the beautiful home or the one that's under the bridge, which one of those is most important? I mean, uh, is the one who has the big house and the big mortgage and the jag in the garage, is that person more important than the person pushing around a Safeway cart full of junk that they pick up off the street? Which one is most important? I open the Bible and I hear these words, God is no respecter of persons. He looks at everyone and he loves them. Because he sees value in that person that's way beyond their possessions or way beyond their college education. It goes way beyond anything that people can do. And he says, I am giving my son so that they can be delivered from this present evil world. What does that mean? Well, there's a word called grace. It's not just a girl's name. Grace is something that gives delight when we don't deserve it. Well, I'm not talking religion. See, religion is what people try to do to connect with God. But salvation is what God does to connect with us. There's a lot of difference. I mean, you can have religion to there. And you are probably what you were born if you were born in a religious connection. But that doesn't make you a person that's in with God particularly. But can you imagine a person stepping out from a country that there's oppression and there's no freedom and stepping to Canada? I read one time that Canada is the one country in the world people would rather come to. And I thought to myself, it is a nice place. Could you imagine coming from bondage in Haiti? Before the earthquake, Haiti was considered uh, anybody that left Haiti be accepted on refugee status. But since the earthquake down there, by people have been sending money and so you can't get refugee status. So here's people in Canada and they got family down in Haiti and they can't send them money and they can't get them to come here. So our daughter and her family, they helped them out a bit. And uh, lo and behold, Christmas Day, long about four in the afternoon, they rang up and said they wanted to drop around and, and bring something to them. What would you take from a person who's got nothing? And sure enough, here they came, six people. They weren't invited, but you know, on Christmas, you can always put six more. And sure enough, when they came to the house, they said, stay for Christmas dinner. going to be at five o'clock. Oh no, yes, stay. And we sat there and we talked as best they have this Creole language, but we talked for a nice while and we tried to connect, and, and it was good. As I looked at it, one man, I said, when did you last see your family? Seven years. And he can't go back. And he can't get him up. Wife and children. Underneath that blue tarp down in Haiti. And he's in a comfortable house in Canada. Waiting and hoping. We sang a few Christmas songs. I said, do you have anything special that you sing in Haiti? And they sang us 
only was in the Haitian language. O Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands had made, apparently they sing that song in all the schools down there. And I thought, God's at work in Haiti, the same God is looking at you. Can you think of a person in this life wondering, is there somebody that loves me? A preacher that I knew was used to preach in the open air in Toronto. He read in the newspaper, somebody interviewed one of the guys that was sleeping on the benches in the park. And he said, uh, what do you want? Can't you go into one of the places? No, he said, I, I don't mind sleeping on the park bench here. He said, really all I want is somebody to love me. And this preacher picked that up in the paper. And he went right down to the place where that man had been sleeping on that bench. And he couldn't see anybody around, but he had a voice like a foghorn. And he stood there and he said, David! And went to the four corners. North, east, south, west. David! Are you there, David? Somebody loves you. His name is Jesus. He gave himself for your sins. What really do you think? We read that he gave himself for our sins, that he might now deliver us from wasting our time and life on things that don't count. If you had everything you wanted in life by the time you got my age, what do you think you would have? A house without a mortgage? So your children can fight over it? A car that you own without having to make payments? Watch out for the taxes. And... Whatever else it might be, what would you really have in life that you would like to get a hold of and grasp? How about you? Some of you are just getting started in life. And you know where we start? We have to start with God. And some of you are teenagers, or maybe a bit older. And you know what makes life worth living for a teenager? Not friends, although the pressure will be on. But mind you, anybody who introduces you into new sin is not your friend. Those people that pass on these little... Uh, powders that you get and then you get a straw and you put it down there and, and you start flying like a bird. That person is not your friend. He is not your friend. And as you get older and somebody says, well, try this man, this really works. And so you've had it at the office and you go down and they mix a drink and before long you're bobbing your head along with the other drunks. Is that life? Let me tell you what life is like. I had a friend... His name was Jim Elliott. Over 50 years ago, he went to Ecuador preaching the gospel. And he only was there, he married and he had one child. But he was taking the gospel to people down there who killed each other. At that time, they were called the Alca Indians. And Jim and his friends died. Jim was from Portland. Pete Fleming was from Seattle. There was people from the Northwest and they died down there in the river taking the gospel to people. But he wrote a thing in his diary he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And you young folks get that in the sticky side of your head. And life will then start. You know the cost? But it costs God to be able to give you a demonstration of his love. He picked his own son and sent him here to go to Jerusalem. And just outside that wall in Jerusalem. There's a place there called Calvary. 
And people crucified him there. They thought they were getting rid of God. But they didn't realize that God was welcoming them to him. And the Son of God, we read, loved me and gave himself for me. And when I understood in the back room of a veteran of foreign wars building one night back in 1952, that the Son of God loved me and he gave himself for me. For the first time in my life, voluntarily, I'd been on my knees saying prayers because people do that, but the first time in my life, from my heart, I said, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross and taking my sins. I appreciate it more than I can say. That's a long time ago, 60 years. Time enough to test it out and see if it really works. And I can tell you that being a Christian in this world and loving God and loving Jesus is what this life is all about. You understand, whatever you sow, you reap. If I grew up on a farm, there's a principle of sowing and reaping. That you always reap more than you sow. So you be sure that you get right with God. I gotta tell you this, this is a senior moment. They go, we always go past the time anyway. We were preaching in Fogo Island, a little island off the northeast coast of Newfoundland. And after a meeting like this, a man told me, he said, I gotta tell you a story, Mr. God. He said, see out there? He said, under the water out there in the front of that harbor, there's a rock about three or four feet down, depending on where the tide is. And he said, one night, Years ago, a boat came down there and struck that rock and had a load of people. And he said, they started coming to our house right here, coming in right across. They came on life rings and life jackets and boards. And and it was in night, and so he said, we put a fire here so that they could see where to come, and we took them into the house. And these people kept coming in. One of them was a young man, and every he's sitting there by the stove, and whenever somebody else came in, he looked up like that, and then... Somebody else, he'd look up like that, and then down goes his head. We thought maybe he was kind of losing it a bit, and so I said to him, everything's all right, you'll be okay. He said, oh, I know I'm okay. But he said, when I came off that boat tonight, I didn't have a life jacket or a life ring or a board. And he said, when I hit the water and surfaced, he said, there's a young man there with a little rum barrel. A rum barrel is a little barrel about that long, kind of flat. And he said, that young man was there with his hands around this rum barrel. I put my hands on it too, and we found it wouldn't hold the two of us. So the young man looked at me. He said, sir, do you have a family? He said, yes. He said, you keep the barrel. And he let it go just like that. And he said, he hasn't come in. He hasn't come in the house. Out of all the people that were on that boat that night, the only body they found, the only dead person, was that young man. And they found his body in the beach in the morning. He gave himself and somebody did that for you if that isn't love the ocean is dry so what are you going to do with your life yes my friend loving god and serving him is what life is really all about so how about it are you still searching well you've come to the right place you've come to the word of god Trust Christ today, won't you? He has blessings in store for you and will give you peace that you never thought possible in this present evil world. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point 
has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.